God bless you, Brother Batten. Preach to us. Praise the Lord, everyone. Amen, amen. Well, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to feel at home in the presence of God. Amen, amen. While you are turning in the word of the Lord to Luke chapter 19, I want to say how much of a privilege and a pleasure it is to be here. I do not take it lightly. I give honor to your pastor. He, he came down. He gets so excited. Just gets excited. And, and you see Sister French, and you notice she's a perfect balance. She just so excited. Just thinking about it. Huh? Just give honor to French, 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 French. <laughs> Rachel, Rachel, Rachel. There's a lot of Rachels. I give honor to the bishop of the house, Brother Cole. And uh, he's always had a handshake, a hug, a smile, and he always remembered my name. You never know how, I'm horrible at names, but he always remembered my name, and I have a, I have a tape, young people, that's about this big, and it has some film in it, and you listen to it, kind of like a CD, except different. <laughs> I have a tape of Brother Cole preaching, I'm pretty sure it's Brother Cole. My pastor when I grew up was R.L. Osborne in Tifton, and um uh, it's a tape. The title is Dignified, Respectable, But Barren. And that thing, is, I still listen to it, believe it or not. Uh, <laughs> it does this. Last time I was here, I was here helping with sound. And uh, it snowed and service Sunday night was canceled. And so uh, we went to Ruby Tuesdays and out of the blue I got hit by a snowball. Turned around and it was Sister Cole. What do you do? I did not throw one back. I could just go down in history saying, you know, I was in a snowball fight with Sister Cole. I lost, but at least I was involved. Not many people can say that. So we do give honor to your pastor, your bishop, the great family, the great French family. They're good people. Good people. Amen, amen, amen. Well, praise God, since I was here for sound, I, in a little while I'm going to grab that mic so that this mic doesn't go haywire when I preach in it because I'm just one of those preachers, all right? And I, I also, I make, a, I make it a point, even though he is not here, I give honor to my pastor. My pastor is Myron Weidman Sr., and I give honor to him. And uh, you may not know him, but he took me when I was pretty much an outcast. <laughs> I was in a very hurting time, and he has helped me heal. And has really, he's a very straightforward fella. And he has really helped my ministry a lot. So I always, always, always try to remember that God doesn't anoint kneecaps and elbows. He anoints heads. And a ministry without headship has no place to receive anointing. So even though I pastor, I have a pastor. And I will always be submitted to him. So, amen. Luke, the 19th chapter, the first verse. 
And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Amen. He received him joyfully. Praise God. I want to minister today on this subject. God of the underdog. God of the underdog. Amen. I wonder if we could all lift our voices right now and let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to be with us in this place. Father, in Jesus' mighty name. God, in the authority of your word and the power of your spirit, we come before you. Lord, we pray, God, that you move and minister in this house. Lord Jesus, that you would have your way, God, in this place, Lord. God, I come against every spirit, whether human or demonic, that would seek to distract, that would seek to destroy. God, and I pray that you have precedence, God, in our hearts. Minister, I plead the blood of Jesus in this house. I plead the blood of Jesus over every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl. I pray, Lord Jesus, that your anointing destroy the yoke, break every chain. Lord, and when we leave this place, without a doubt, we know that we have been revived. We will know that we have been changed. God and your spirit has been with us. Hallelujah. And if you believe God's going to do something for you, clap your hands unto the Lord. And lift your voice with that because the Bible says, clap your hands all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. You may be seated. The word underdog originated through a popular 19th century song by David Barker called Underdog in the Fight. The words go, I know the world, that great big world will never a moment stop to see which dog may be in the fault but will shout for the dog on top. But for me, I shall never pause to ask which dog may be in the right for my heart will beat while it beats it all for the underdog in the fight. If we would take time to fully expound what the Bible has to say on this subject, we would be here all night. But one thing I know that we would find, we would find that the Lord is always, always on the side of the underdog. There was no seemingly obvious reason for Jesus to give any attention to Zacchaeus. First of all, by reputation, he was a tax collector. Nobody likes tax collectors. Still today, we do not like tax collectors. But in those days, they 
would gather taxes through any way possible and any means possible. And nobody likes a tax collector. He was a sinner. Verse 7 tells us that he was a sinner. So by reputation, he was not one that people would say Jesus would want to be with him. His riches, people despised him because his riches were gathered and acquired through scrupulous ways. That's the way that he became wealthy. He was lonely because he had no friends. His stature, just alone, he had to swallow his pride to climb up a tree so that he could see Jesus because of the press that was on him. Yet despite all odds that were against him, he risked being viewed as foolish. He climbed up a tree, got a better view of Jesus, and also got the attention of Jesus. He endured embarrassment when the master walked directly to him, called out his name in front of the crowd, in front of a ridiculing crowd, and there he called Zacchaeus. I want to talk to you. You're the one that has got my attention. Not the crowd, not the press, but the underdog. When he came down out of the tree, everything changed for Zacchaeus. One moment, he was known as one thing. The next moment, he was known as another. Jesus may have come with the crowd, but he left with the underdog. Jesus Christ is the one true God that is the God that roots for the underdog. Underdogs are not deemed to be so by the unknowns. An underdog is deemed to be an underdog because of what we know about them. What, what doesn't just become an underdog by happenstance. We declare people, groups, teams to be underdogs because of what we know about them. We know their reputation. We know their failures. We know their faults. We know their weaknesses. We know their record. They're not known for winning. We know their stature. We know all of their numbers. Their foe is bigger. Their foe is stronger. Their foe has a longer reach. Their foe seems to be outnumbering them in every way. Yet our God, this one true magnificent awesome God, the God of heaven and earth, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. He is a God that is for the underdog. I wonder if there's some underdogs in the house that would say, thank God that he's for the underdog. Hallelujah. We read in the scripture in 1 Corinthians where it says, for you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things that are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things not, things which are mighty. He, God has chosen these things and things which are not to bring not things that are. That no flesh, no flesh should glory in his presence. We've all been there. 
We all, there's not a one of us here that cannot identify in some way with Zacchaeus. The odds were stacked against us. We were the underdogs. The situation seemed too great. The obstacle seemed impassable. The valley seemed to be too deep. But God stepped in. But God came into the situation. But God had the last say. We can take you back to the very spot when our situation began to turn. I can take you back to the spot in a little white block church in Tifton, Georgia, on the corner of 12th and Ferry Lake, where God filled me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost when Brother Rodney Nix was preaching the Word of God. I can take you to the spot where God turned my situation around in my life. And so can you. Zacchaeus can take you back to the sycamore tree. Jacob can take you back to a riverbank where a prayer meeting turned his situation around. David can take you to a valley where a giant fell and Israel prevailed. Gideon can show you the underbrush where he was eavesdropping from his enemy hearing about a nightmare when he came out and said it's none other than the arm of the Lord and the sword of Gideon. Elijah can show you the place where the fire of the Lord fell at the request of one prophet and over 450 false prophets were slain. Daniel can take you to the place where the open mouth of the lion's den was the only open mouth. And uh, time would fail me to tell you about Abraham, Moses, Rahab, Paul and Silas, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Over and over again. My God is a God of the underdog. And we could pass the mic around and we could hear testimony after testimony and testimony. How God stepped in and God came into unsurmountable circumstances and changed it in one moment. Because God is the God of the underdog. A farmer was sitting on the front porch one summer evening when a newspaper boy came to deliver his paper. The boy noticed a sign on the porch which read, Puppies. For sale. He got off his bike. He said to the farmer, how much do you want for the pups, mister? $25, son. The boy's face dropped. Well, sir, could I, could I at least see them anyway? The farmer whistled. And in a moment, the mother dog came bounding around the corner of the house, tagged by four cute, adorable puppies, wagging their tails and yipping happily. At last, another puppy came straggling around the house, dragging one leg behind. What's the matter with that puppy, mister? The boy asked the farmer. Well, son, that puppy is crippled. We took her to the vet, and he took an x-ray. The pup hasn't ha doesn't have a hip joint, and the leg will never be right. To the amazement of the farmer, the boy dropped his bike, reached for his collection bag, and took out a 50-cent piece. Please, mister, I want to buy that pup. I'll pay you 50 cents each week until $25 is paid. Honest, I will, mister. The farmer said, but son, you don't seem to understand. That pup will never be able to run or jump. That pup is going to be a cripple forever. Why in the world would you want to buy such a useless pup as that? The boy reached down, pulled up his pant leg, revealing a brace holding a poor twisted leg. Mister, the boy said, that pup is going to need someone who understands him to help him in life. And that's exactly what our God did. Our God took on the frailty of flesh. 
our God took on the underdog of flesh. He became like you and he became like me so that you and I could be more like him. He is the God of the underdog. 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter, the 21st verse tells us, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He made him to be sin for us. He did not become the sinner because that would violate the pureness of the sacrifice. He did not become the sinner, but he did become the sin. He became lie, but he was not the liar. He became disobedience, but he was not the disobedient. He became envy, but he was not envious. He became robbery, but he was not the robber. This God that sits on high, he came low. There's not a valley he didn't come to. He came so low that there's not a house sitting here today that he hasn't knocked on your door. He has come low because he's God of the underdog. He became hatred, but he was not the hater. He became wife abusing, but he was not the wife abuser. He became fear. But he was not the fearful. I'm wondering, is he at your house yet? Is he as low as you've been before? He became drug addiction. But he was not a junkie. He became prostitution. But he was not the prostitute. He became adultery. But he was not the adulterer. He came low. He came low. He became fornication. But he was not the fornicator. He became homosexuality. But he was not the homosexual. He became witness. Witchcraft, but he was not the witch. There's not a valley his blood doesn't flow to. It reaches the highest mountain, yes it does, but it reaches the lowest valley. And there's not a sin you've committed, nor a sin you can commit that can give from out the, from under the blood of Jesus Christ. He's still God of the underdog. And just like that crippled dog, we were overpowered. We were outgunned and we were bound to lose. But thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. He purchased our victory on the cross. The fight is fixed. The fight is fixed. The fight is fixed. The battle is already won. So it doesn't matter what odds are stacked against you. It is not of any importance what the facts are. It's inconsequential what he says, what she says, or what they say. Tell me that if God be for us, if God be for us, if God be for us, who can be against us? Who can be against us? He's still a God that reaches down to the lowest pit. His ear is not heavy that he can't hear. His arm is not short that he can't reach you. He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on a rock. And I wonder if there's somebody in here that has a testimony that says, I know where I was. I know the day he stepped in that can stand up and say, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Praise God. And I'm closing. I'm telling you right now in this place. There's somebody hurting that thinks you'll never get beyond the hurt. There's still a God that roots for the underdog. 
Somebody in this place feels like you can never get beyond the sin. There's still a God. There's still a God. There's still a God. The story of the prodigal son, a lot of times we, we miss because we don't understand the culture of it. When the prodigal son said, give me my heritage, give it to me, I'm gone. I'm going to go spend it. And the Bible said he spent it, and he spent his days in riotous living. And as long as he had the money to buy everybody drinks, everybody was his friend. As long as he had the money to buy everybody a bump, everybody a hit, everybody was his friend. As long as he had the money to do everybody was his friend. But the Bible says that his money ran out. And after his money ran out, he went to go get a job and was working on a farm for a farmer and got so hungry that he looked at hog slop and thought it might be tasty. And he was just about to bite into it. And the Bible says he came to himself. Anybody ever had God deliver you from a bad decision? My God, he came to himself. You look at David. David, when he, he was running, he was running for his life, and he ran into the enemy's camp. He ran into the enemy's camp, and when he got there, he said, what in the world am I doing here? The servants went and told the king, went and told the king, David is here. King said, go get him. David, the only thing he could think to do was, you know, I made a crazy decision, so I might as well act crazy. He started foaming at the mouth. Messed up his hair, messed up his clothes, foaming at the mouth, walking in. <laughs> King looked at him. That, he might look like David, but that's not David. Take him. Get him out of the city. Took him out of the city. Took him out of the city and let him go. David was delivered from a bad decision. It was after that when he got back to the cave that he wrote, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. My Lord, have mercy. My praise comes from me, me having some bad decisions in my life. God stepped into the life of an underdog. And God delivered me out of a bad decision. And God delivered that prodigal son from making a bad decision. And when he came running, the Bible says that the father saw him afar off, ran to meet him before he even got to the gate of the city, put his coat around him, put his signet on him, and walked him back to the house. That's the God that you and I serve. Because in culture, the lawgivers and businessmen would do business at the gate. That's why if a servant wanted to give his life freely to the master, they would go to the gate and they would make it a business transaction and they would use an aug and put a hole in his ear. At the gate, business was done. So when a child shamed his father, they would take the child and put him as a laughingstock in the city. They would put him in stocks, they would throw stuff at him, and they would make fun of him because he shamed his family. 
So the significance of the father looking and seeing him a long way off and running to him before he even got to the gate of the city and putting his cloak on him and his signet on him is very significant because he was saying he has caused me no shame. And I'm talking to somebody, you may not be on a fire for God as, as much as you were before. And the devil keeps telling you that you can never go back to the father's house. Well, he already sees you a long way off. And he's going to come and put his blood over you and tell all of hell, they have caused me no shame. They have caused me no shame. And you're going to walk back to the father's house and everybody's going to have a party. Because our God is the God of the underdog. Amen. Let's all stand right now. Lift your hands unto the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Right now, under the sound of my voice, there's people who've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I'm learning something. I, matter of fact, Brother Cole, I've never heard you preach a message that you haven't talked about somebody receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Giving somebody a chance to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You know the stuff still works. It still works. It still works. Probably about three years ago, I, I threw all the books about modern church and all that kind of stuff out the window. And I realized the blood of Jesus Christ still works preaching about the Holy Ghost and Calvary still works preaching about the salvation that God has to offer it still works it still works and it'll work if you work it baby that's all you gotta do is work it so I want to reach for somebody that you have not received the baptism of the Holy Ghost it's easy to know whether you've received it or not you will receive it the same way that they received it on the day of Pentecost and when they were there, all in one mind, in one accord, suddenly a sound from heaven came and it filled that house as of a rushing mighty wind. Hallelujah. Cloven tongues as a fire set upon every one of them. And they all began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. So just like babies were born back then, they're still born now. It's the same thing. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost... God will fill you up and you'll begin to speak in a heavenly language that you weren't taught. Hallelujah. If you have not experienced that, guess what? Today is your day. Today is your day. If you have not been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, today is your day. It matters what name you are baptized in. The authority is in the name. The power is in the name. Hallelujah. So if you have not experienced those things, guess what? Today is your day. If you are here and you have been struggling, struggling with the enemy telling you, you can't make it, you'll never be that, you'll never, never, ever be what people say you can be. You're just going to be what you are right now. You're, you're going to be a loser. You're a failure. That's all you are. Well, guess what? The God that I've been preaching about is still the God of the underdog. Hallelujah. And he's calling you today. He's calling you today. He's calling you today. So I'm wondering right now if somebody would take a step of faith. Now I'm going to say this. 
Somebody with doubt would say, nothing's going to happen. Well, if you take a step and nothing happens, then you've lost nothing. If you take a step and something happens, you've gained everything. So I'm wondering who has the Holy Ghost been talking to? You've been struggling in a battle and in a fight. If you'll take a step of faith, I want you to come. I want you to come. Let the people of faith gather around you. Anybody need the baptism of the Holy Ghost? If you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I want you to come. We want to pray for you. God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. Come on. Hallelujah. They're coming. Hallelujah. Church, don't let them come along. Meet them. Meet them. Hallelujah. Somebody meet them. Come on, the power of God is moving in this house. Come on, that's right. Just lift your hands and yield to the Lord. That's right. In the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, that's right, church. Let's get involved in this. Everybody praying. Everybody ministering. Everybody praising God. No spectators. Straight from day to day, it will never lose its power. It reaches to the highest mountain and it flows. 